Amen. That's who we've come to worship today is the great I am. Did you know that? The great I am, the God, the awesome God, the creator of the universe. What a great God that he is. Before we start, let's uh, open with a word of prayer. Clarence, I want to ask you to pray. Would you pray for us, please, bud? Thank you. Thank you, Clarence. Thank you, Clarence. Today we'll be in Matthew 7, if you want to turn there. The title of the message is, Wise Man, Foolish Man. We're going to look at that today. long time ago, when Rhonda and I were first married, uh, the house we were living in got blown away by a tornado. So we decided to build a house in Piedmont, Oklahoma. That's where we were living. And we made the decision to build, so we found a, a, a master builder, if you would. Uh, we got the plans. We secured the land, got the financing. Uh, once we did that, of course, they started leveling the land and poured the footing and then got the foundation. And then quickly, the, the wall started going up and the electric went in and the plumbing went in and roofs on it and all of a sudden now we have a have this great house that we were living in ever so often we like to go back to Piedmont just to drive through that little town and and we'll always drive by the house that uh, that was built and and believe it or not 40 years later the house is still standing okay and I got to thinking about that and and why why is that house 40 years old why is it still standing and I got to thinking about that well when we were working on building this house, we, we decided that uh, we would have a good set of plans that we would use. And we would use the best materials that they had at the time. We would obviously get a foundation that was sturdy and stable that would hold this house for a long time. And we also found a master builder, somebody that knew exactly what they were doing when they built the house. 
40 years later, it still stands. Probably another 40, it was still standing because the master builder knew exactly what he was doing. Today, we're going to look at a parable uh, in Matthew 7 that Jesus taught. And it's the parable of the two foundations, okay, where Jesus is talking about uh, building a life. And, and we know Jesus knew all about building a life. But he's not just talking about building a house in this parable. He is talking about building a life that will last for an eternity. And we're going to look at that. We're going to see what, what a wise man does in his life. And we're going to look and see what a foolish man does in his life. And, and what kind of foundations do a wise man build on and a foolish man builds on? Andrew, as we were... As I was looking at the message, and, and how, do you, how do you speak to the graduate or the young folks, and, and how do you make it relate to everybody else? And, and that, was, that was kind of my dilemma. But I believe this parable will talk to, talk to Andrew, because see, Andrew's fixing to leave out of here. He's getting into the real world, if you would. Uh, he's leaving home and, and going a, a long way away, and, and, and Andrew will come across different kinds of people now. He'll have different classmates, and and different teammates, and he'll have different kinds of teachers, and, and the real world, as we know, is not quite as nice as maybe it is right here. And he'll come across new teachings, and he'll come across new philosophies, new doctrines, and, and just new thoughts. And, and a lot of these thoughts and friends and doctrines that he's going to come across are going to just start pulling him away from his faith. Because we know the world does not agree with the Christian faith. And it, when these new friends come and these new teachers try to teach you stuff, that some of it will be contrary to God's Word. I'm going to tell you right now, Andrew and all of us, that I want you to stand firm in your faith. I want you to have built that foundation on Jesus Christ in order to withstand those things that come into our lives. Proverbs 16:25 says this, Andrew, There's a way that seems right unto man. But in the end, leads to destruction. That is a verse, Andrew, that you need to know. Because you will be pulled away from your faith. Young people, you'll be pulled away from your faith. Older adults, you'll be pulled away from your faith by, by the world. Because the world doesn't agree with you. And you've got to understand when the world says, go this direction. And God's word says, no, you go that direction. You understand what the world says is, this seems to be right. But the Bible says it is not right because that, right, that way leads to nothing but death and destruction. And we're going to look at that here in just a minute. So today's message is, is, to, is to Andrew, yes. But I think you're going to find it's going to apply to all of us. Uh, God's Word just applies to everybody if you start and really looking at it, okay? So Andrew, this is for you, but it's for all the rest of us in here because I think it'll hit every one of us. Let's look at Matthew 7 real quickly, please. Beginning in verse 24, I want to read 24 through 27, and then we'll come back and, and pick it apart if you would. It says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew. That's kind of appropriate today, isn't it? And slammed against the house. And yet the house did not fall, for he had been founded on the rock. Verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them 
will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. You know, Jesus, before he, his ministry started at the age of 30, he was a carpenter, okay? He knew how to build things, okay? He knew what the building business was, was all about because he had built things with his hand. I think he knew how to, how to even build a house, and he knew that, that it would take a, a good foundation and it would take, take a master plan. It would take all those kind of things to build a house, and, and Jesus knew about building a physical house. But I, I suggest to you today, in this proverb, he's really not talking about building a physical house. He's talking about building a life that will end up with a heavenly house. And in this proverb we read, and he talks about a, a wise man and a foolish man. And, and he says that the, the way that you can tell the difference between the two is the way they live. The way they live. The wise man, he says, hears the word of God and acts upon it. And the foolish man hears the word of God and does not act upon it. And he says, you can tell the difference because who is, who is being obedient and who is not. And he also says there is eternal destination from the wise man. His house didn't fall. His spiritual life does not fall. But yet the foolish man, he says, it, was, it fell in his life. It was a great fall. We're going to look at that kind of today. You'll notice in this proverb, the very first sentences it says, and they heard the words of the Lord. Both groups heard what Jesus said. The wise heard it and the unwise, the foolish heard it, which tells me a little bit of something. It says that, that the people that would have heard the words of Jesus, those are folks that come to church, if you would. Those are, co those are folks that, that have Christian parents who pass down a Christian legacy. Those are people that had Christian friends, if you would, that, that tried to point people in the right direction. And as you read this, you, you would think that this proverb is really probably talking about the foolish or the unsaved. Okay, that person who has heard the word and, 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 and rejects the word. But the proverb is just not all about that. Did you know that? The proverb is about the Christian. The proverb also is about that professing Christian who believes they're a Christian and they really aren't. And it's also about that person who is completely unsaved, that's never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Because it says, you said, they all heard it, and yet some chose to accept what was said, and some chose not to accept what it says. The first point there that I want you to see is you have a choice to act on God's Word. You have a choice to act on God's Word. And what, what does that mean, that we have a choice to act on God's Word? Every person in here has heard the gospel. Every person has sat through a hundred messages. You've heard it, and now you get to choose what it means. So I, I think most of the probably sitting here, you go, you know, I'm a believer, and, and yeah, I, I've heard a lot of messages, and, and yeah, I, I, I want to let God's Word impact my life. I'm going to let God's Word change the way I speak, change the way I act, change the way I react. I want, I want God's Word to impact me and to change me, to be more like a person, more like Christ. And I, think, I hope all of us would do that. And as we sit here, you think, well, I, you know, I do that. I do that. I've heard all the messages. I read the Word, and I allow God's Word to 
I to impact my life. I want him to. But does he really impact your life? Does what you hear and what you read in his word, does it really impact it? Does it really change your life? And that is kind of the first question I want to pose to you. Because you see, the God, we know what God's word says. God's word says that we are to forgive the unforgivable. Well, I, I don't really want to do that. I don't like that person, okay? God's word, if you believe that, is not impacting your life at that point. God's word says you are to love the Lord with all your heart and your soul and your mind. Yeah, but I got other things that are more important in my life. Do you see what I'm saying? God's word, and you read that verse, and it, that verse is not impacting your life, is not changing the way you think. That's not right. God's word says you are to love others you are to love the unlovable okay and if you allow God's word to impact your life and to change your life you'll be able to do that through his strength to love the unlovable but if you choose not to love that God's word is not changing you not impacting your life God's word wants to impact your life. Jesus said he heard the word and he acted upon it that's what it means to act upon it okay to take it and do something with it you know, God's Word tells us we are to go tell others, make disciples of others. Well, I just, I don't feel comfortable doing that, you say. Well, okay. God's Word is not impacting that part of your life. You've got to give that part to Him. God's Word says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer and supplication. Let your requests be known to God. Well, I'm just a worrisome kind of a person. <laughs> I worry a lot, and it's just normal for me to worry. That's just who I am. But God says, you don't have to do that. Take it to me in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And the peace of God will surpass all understanding, will guard your heart and life in Christ Jesus. You see what I'm saying? It, we have to take his word and we have to digest it and then we have to live it. What good is it in the Christian's life to know verses and yet we live completely opposite of those verses? God's Word tells us to give Him His time, His talent, our talent, and our treasure. We give back to Him those kind of things. Well, but you say, I, I, don't, I don't have time many times to either come to church. I don't have time to read His Word. I don't have time for Sunday school. I've I got an ability to do things around a church. I can make things and fix things, but, but I don't have the time to do that. I, I sure got to hold on to what I have, my treasures that I have here. And I really can't give them back to the Lord. And when you read those verses and you refuse to act on them like Jesus says, he's going to go, why are you even hearing these verses if you're not going to act on them? You see, the first thing Andrew and all the rest of us is we have got to allow God's word to impact our lives. And impact means to change the way we think, the way we act, the way we speak, the way we react. Jesus says, a wise man heard the words that I spoke. And he says, he acted upon those. Matthew 5, 6 says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And they will be filled or they will be satisfied. A wise man hungers and thirsts after God's righteousness. Do you hunger and thirst after God's righteousness? Is that important to you in your life? Jesus says, hear my words 
act upon them. Matthew 6, says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all this other stuff will be added to you. Jesus says a wise man is, makes my relationship with my God the number one priority in my life. I seek he first. And you've read that verse 100,000 times in your life and you've heard it preached. But I'm going to ask you this question. Does that verse impact your life? Does that verse change your priorities in life? Jesus says, a wise man hears my words and he acts upon those words. So the first thing I would encourage Andrew and encourage all of us in here is to the point that says, does God's word change the way I live? First thing, Andrew. Second thing I want to tell you tonight is this. A wise man builds his life on the rock, the solid rock, the solid foundation of Jesus. You build your life on the foundation of Jesus. We all know if you build a house and the foundation is not any good, what happens to the house? It crumbles and it falls. I got a rent house right now. The guy says, hey, the foundation is terrible. (laughs) This place is fixing to fall down. Oh, don't tell me that. I don't want to hear that. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says this, For no man can lay a foundation other than the one that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Andrew, I would tell you and tell all of us here that the foundation of your life must be built on Jesus Christ. It can't be built on worldly standards. It can't be built on false prophets. It can't be built on the things that you think are right that go against God's Word. You've got to build a life on the foundation of God. And as that foundation of Jesus is there and you build your life with the walls and you start putting things up and that kind of stuff, the Bible says when the storms come, your house will stand. You read that parable right there and you see that the storms will come in your life. It's not if, it's when those storms come. There's going to be storms that come into your life, even though, even though God's Word impacts your life and you believe that and you act upon it, even though Jesus is the foundation of your life and you're living for Him, guess what? There's going to be storms that come into your life. There's going to be storms of sickness and sadness and sorrow and sin. There's going to be storms that are disappointments, that are going to be dismissals. There's going to be death, and it's going to be disappointment. There's going to be, there's going to be uh, storms in your life about poverty and pain and pressures. There's going to be storms in your life that says you are rejected, you are a failure, you are lonely, and you're just not any good. Storms of life are going to come. We all know that they're going to come. We don't know when. Bible says they come in different, different uh, strengths, if you would, different intensities. Sometimes the storms of life come as a wind that's blowing. That's what he says here, right here. Sometimes it's just a wind, and we understand that. And as adults, we deal with those kinds of storms. It's just a gentle wind, but sometimes it's a little heavier rain that comes, a little more intensity when the storms of life hit. And we, we got to learn to deal with those things. And he says, then sometimes, guys, sometimes, I promise you, The storm will come as a flood that tries to wash away your building, wash away your life, tries to flatten your life. 
And they come in all kinds of intensity. But the storms, he says, will come. How do we deal with the storms of life, people? Andrew, how do we deal with that? When that storm comes and we get that bad news, and, 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 and what are we going to do? Well, first of all, we have had uh, God's Word impact our lives. First of all, we have a foundation built on Jesus Christ. And next of all, we have, did you know this? We have God's promises that He gives to us that even in the storms of life, God says, I will not fail you nor forsake you. What a great God that we have. In Psalm 32, 7, it says this. He says, you are my hiding place. He says, you preserve me in trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. What a great promise that you are my hiding place when the storms come. Psalm 46, 1 and 2 says this. God is my refuge and my strength. A very present help in times of trouble. And then it says, therefore, that next verse, therefore, I will not fear, even though the earth changes, even though my circumstance change, even though the storm is trying to run over me and flood me and take my life from me. He says, I will not be afraid. I will not fear because you, God, is my strength and my refuge and my help. In times of trouble, what a blessing that is. What a great promise that is. When storms come, we have the strength and the word of God that says, I am there in the storm with you. I might not take you away from the storm, but I will be with you as you go through the storm. What a great promise from our Lord. In the storms of life, God will provide the necessities that we need during that storm. Philippians 4, 19 says this, And my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. What a great promise when we're dealing with storms in our life. We want to be wise. We understand that God is there to supply everything that we need. In the storms of life, God promises to work all things out for good. That's another great promise. Romans eight twenty eight, And we know God causes all things to work together for for good to those who love the Lord who are called according to his purpose you see these promises all relate to the wise person these promises do not apply to the foolish man and the foolish woman who has not accepted Christ as your savior the storm says whatever the storm might be God says I will work it out for your good and for my glory in the storms that we face it says God blesses those who build on the foundation of Jesus. Luke 10, 28, Blessed are those who hear the word and observe it. And that's just what Jesus said in those verses, isn't it? Blessed are those who hear and act upon it. That's a blessing, that is a promise during the storms of life. In the storms of life, God promises joy. Well, that's a tough one, isn't it? God promises joy. Even though, even though the flood waters are trying to run over you, Knock your building down, if you would. God promises joy. John 15, 11, Jesus says these words. These things I have spoken to you so that you may have, so that my joy may be in you. The joy of Jesus may be in you. And that your joy may be made full. No matter how tough life is, God's promise is, and God's in the storms of life, he says, I have my joy, I will give you my joy. 
so that your joy will be complete. What a great promise. Last one here, it says, In the storm, God protects our eternal inheritance. God protects our eternal inheritance. John 10, 29, And my Father who has given them to me is stronger than all. No man can snatch them out of my Father's hands. Who's he talking to? He's talking about Christians. That when we accept Christ as Lord and Savior, he says, No one can snatch them out of my Father's hands. We are saved once and we're saved for an eternity. That's a great promise when the storms of life come, no matter what's happening in there. We know that we will never lose our salvation. 2 Corinthians 5, 6 says, Absent from the body, present from the Lord. That's a great promise. Storms of life come. If we're absent from the body, where will we be? We'll be present with the Lord. And then I thought of another one. 1 Peter 1, verse 6. Our inheritance, our salvation, our eternity protected by the power of God. Protected by the power of God. Your salvation, Andrew, my salvation, y'all's salvation in here, no matter what the storm of life is, says it is protected by the power of God. You can't get, you can't get a better security system than that. There's not a lock big enough that would be able to do that. Nobody could cut that lock open because your inheritance, your salvation, protected by the power of God. Andrew, I want to encourage you today and us today that as we build, as you build your life and as we live our lives, uh, I would encourage you to base it upon the foundation of Jesus. Whatever you do comes directly as a result of your relationship with him. Andrew, I would encourage you to allow God's Word to impact your life. I would encourage you to to let God's Word change you the way you live and the way you think and the way you speak and the way you act and the way you react. Let God's Word impact you. Just take a verse and read a verse and say, I'm going to do that verse. I'm going to let it impact my life because I believe in God's promises. And the third thing I would encourage you to do is to trust the Lord believe in his promises, and then be obedient to what it says in there. You know, if you could just do that, if we could just do that, you know, the Bible says and Jesus says that when the storms of life come, what happens to that house? What happens to that life? It says, and yet it did not fall. You want a a foolproof plan to have a life that doesn't fail? Get in God's Word and do what God's Word has just told you to do. And your life will not fail. Or, Andrew, there's the other side of the coin. And that is verse 26 and 27. Let's read those real quickly again. It says, everyone who hears these words, there it is again, of mine, and does not act upon them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell. And great was the fall. Here again, we have people that have heard the gospel. Okay? They, they either heard it at church. Maybe they heard it uh, uh, surfing channels, maybe on TV. Maybe they heard it at vacation Bible school a long time ago. Maybe they heard it at preteen camp. Maybe it's Falls Creek. I mean, who knows? But for some reason, they have heard the message of Jesus. And it says they refuse to act on it. They've rejected that message. 
It says they have a life that they want to live and they don't want nobody messing with it. Okay? Yeah, they've heard the word, but you ain't messing with the way I'm living. I don't need God in my life. Don't need any of that kind of stuff. I'm going to live my life however I want to, no matter what. And that's the other option that we have as, as people. We can either be a wise man or we can be a foolish man. And the foolish man says, I'm going to live my life however I want to. And he says, I'm going to build my house on the sand. And he says, I'm going to build that house on the sands of materialism. I will build my house, Andrew, and I wanted, all I want to do is get as much money as I can to get as big a house that I can, the nicest cars. I want to work and slave, and I'm going to do everything I can. I want to have as much money as I can get. I want to get all I can, can all I get, and I want to sit on the can. Is that philosophy. And people believe that materialism brings happiness and satisfaction And yet after a few years, what happens to that? The car breaks down. The house starts to shake. Life starts to crumble and and rust away and wear out. And we find, and people find when they build on the sand of materialism, that ultimately it never brings happiness. We see people building on the sands of pleasure of the flesh. Man, if it feels good, I am going to do it. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to go after everything I think is fun. I'm going to try to satisfy every one of my desires. I want to do what I want to do. And they build the hand, their, their life on the sands of pleasure. And after a while, the Bible says, sin is fun for a season. But after a while, that no longer brings fun and no longer brings enjoyment. And they figure out that this pleasure that I wanted and desires and, and the gaining all of this really doesn't work because they built the, their life on the sands of pleasure. Sometimes people build on the, the sands of pride and of power and of recognition and of fame. They believe if they just are somebody, I'll feel good about myself and things will be great. And they, and they pursue a life of power and prestige and fame and recognition. And they believe that's the answer to life. And, of course, we know that never works, does it? Because that power goes away, that fame goes away, all that kind of stuff just kind of just disappears. You see, the foolish man thinks he's got life by the tail. He thinks life is going to be good because I have figured out what life is all about. And yet that, that haunting verse keeps coming back, Proverbs sixteen twenty five. There's a way that seems right unto man, but in the end leads to death. And destruction. What a haunting verse. When the storms of life come, for the foolish man, he has no anchor. The foolish man has nothing to hang on to. He has nothing to fall back on, if you would. Most of the time when, when that happens in a person's life, they usually either run to alcohol, uh, they'll run to drugs, they'll run to other foolish people, who have also built their life in the sand and they try to get help from them and obviously there is no help from them because they too have not built on the rock. And we find those people helpless and hopeless and wondering what life is all about because they built on the sand and not on the rock. They just don't know where to to go, what to do how to say things, okay? 
And, and God's Word tells us that when He says, what happens to the foolish man's life when he builds on the sand? And He says, and it fell, and great was the fall. I would encourage Andrew, you, and all of us not to build on the sands of this worldly life, but to build our life on the foundation of Jesus. But there's one other storm in the life of this foolish man. And he doesn't even know it, but the the biggest storm in his life is coming. It's just around the bend. Because you see, the biggest storm that this foolish man has in his life, who's rejected Jesus and lived his life however he wanted to, that storm is the storm of eternity. Because one day there's going to be a judgment for all of us. And one day that foolish man will be kneeling at the great white throne judgment. And he, he's going to be telling Jesus, that, man, I was a good guy. I, I, I was a really a nice person. I helped people. And I took a little bit of my money and I gave it to, to good causes. And, 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 and Jesus said, I, I was a good guy. And he's kneeling there and said, I, I, I deserve not to be here. I deserve to be in heaven. And Jesus will look at him and, and he will look through the, the book of life. And they'll be looking for his name. And his name is not in there. His name is not in the book of life. Because see, here on earth, he rejected his Lord and Savior. He rejected God. And he never, never got around to dealing with that. He never got around to building a life according to the master builder. He never got around to building on the rock. He just built on the sand because that's what made him feel good. And as Jesus looks there and he can't find his name, Revelation 20, 15 tells us this. He says, that foolish man, he says, he was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone to be tormented forever and forever. You see, he never got around to accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. He never got around to saying, God's important in my life. He never got around because he was too busy wanting to fulfill his own gratifications of life and live his life as he wanted to. And yet, 1625 says, that kind of life leads to death and destruction. Matthew 1626 says this, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? You see, the foolish man thought, this is all there is. I'm going to get all I can. Sit on the can. And yet in the end, when it's all said and done, his eternal destiny has been set for the way he lived here on this earth. And it's not a pretty one because he's separated from holy God forever and forever. Andrew, all of us here, we have a choice to make in our lives. Do we want to be people that are wise Do we want to be a people that hear God's words and act on them using Jesus' words? Or do we want to be a foolish person who says, I've heard God's words, but I don't act on them. I want to reject them. Those Those are the options that we have. My prayer, everyone in here will be a wise person, a wise man, a wise woman. But at a congregation this size, you have to think that maybe there's some foolish folks in here.
Like I said, I'm speaking to Andrew, but I'm speaking to all of us, okay? Because there could be some of us in here as, as born-again believers that we pick and choose the, the verses that we want to apply to our lives. <laughs> well, I like that one. That one's an easy one. I'll do that. But forgiving and loving others, no, I can't do that. Okay. And we pick and choose what impacts our lives. That's not right. The Bible says that's a sin. To he that knows the right thing to do and does not do it, <laughs> to him it is sin. James 2.10. Or would be the foolish man who hears it, forgets it, moves on down the road. There's all of us in here. As we begin invitation time, I want to ask you, are you a wise man or are you a foolish man? Do you take the Word of God and let it impact your life? Or do you hear the Word of God and reject it, want nothing to do with it? And the Bible says that that's you that will not end pretty. That will end in death and destruction forever. And for as we close our eyes for the invitation time, I'm going to ask you to do business with God. Is the foundation of your life on Jesus Christ? Does His words impact your life? Are you following after the master builder of this old world? I'll let you do business with God. The altars are open as Trisha plays. If there's things in God's Word that you don't want to follow and you know it, man, confess those, get those out in the open with Him. Let Him forgive.